So if you start with the concrete, your kids are gonna love math because as John Saxon said, they're good at what they like and they like what they're good at. You're listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast with Carol Joy Side. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. If you've attended or listened to our seminar, A Literature-Based Approach to Education, you know how much Carol loves the math curriculum, Math It. Unfortunately, it has long been difficult to find. For a while, it was out of print, and so many of our families have had a hard time using it because they couldn't find it. Well, do we have exciting news for you today. In this episode, Carol talks with the folks at Hewitt Learning about their recent acquiring of the rights to Mathit, which means Mathit is available again. Listen in. So I am so thrilled to be with my new friends, Kristen Lehman and her dad, Jack Lewis, and they are coming to us across two different Zoom screens. Um, They're in two different parts of the country, but I am thrilled to finally meet you in person. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you you so much. It's nice to meet you too, Carol. Thank you. Well, um, just to give you guys a little background, I discovered Mathit. Uh, 40 years ago, I'm sure it was created before that, but I discovered it 40 years ago when Raymond and Dorothy Moore did maybe their first all-day seminar in Pasadena, California, and I sat on the front row, and I was kind of new to this and thought homeschool was a little weird, and um, (laughs) I had taught in you know, Christian and private schools that were high pressured and get them while they're young kind of schools. And I was there kind of with a show me attitude. And Dr. Moore introduced this gentleman named Elmer Brooks. And he came up on the stage and he started sharing how he taught math to children. And I turned to my girlfriend and said, if this man had been my math teacher, I would be working for NASA today, but instead I'm counting on my fingers and toes because I have hated math my whole life and no one ever taught math the way that I thought. And finally, a man thought about math in the creative way that my brain worked. So over the years, I have recommended it for the past 35 years as a speaker to thousands and thousands of families until people were giving me these horrible, sad letters and and emails and things saying, but Carol, it's not available anymore. And I'm like, what? No. And then I got the good news that it's back. And so I want to talk about math it with both of you so Kristen your dad tells me you're the math genius so I, I, I like math <laughs> I, I find it fun um, I, actually I love have, I have a master's in math and have, been, have taught math k all the way through college for decades so see, math is my, my dream all right well tell me about math it and how Elmer Brooks thought like nobody I've ever seen thanks He was definitely ahead of his time. Absolutely 100% ahead of his time. I've looked at different curriculums over the years. And right now in today's world, people are realizing with um, the neurodivergence that's out there, all the different ways of learning that people need multiple ways to be able to learn. And he was doing it decades ago um, in ways. I mean, I look at all the different learning games. I'm an Oregon Trail generation person. 
And math, it was part of that, of, you know, learning through games and that it's the stuff that makes it sink in. And um, there's a lot of research that's been done about using multiple learning techniques, sensory, yes. um, sensory stuff, uh, whether, it, and it doesn't matter if you have someone who has sensory specific needs or a need like dyscalculia or you know dyslexia, any of those different needs, or if you've just got a neurotypical learner, yes. all of them benefit from the integrated learning that he put together. Um, a little bit of history, uh, Hewitt actually published it for a while. That's what I thought. Uh, yep. And uh, when we came on board uh, and started uh, helping with Hewitt several years ago, one of the things we, that was one of the things we discovered, we're like, oh, wait, what happened? How come we didn't, you know, where is it? And life complications, you know, so it had, it had transferred to Weimar Institute. And um, in looking at it, I, I, because Hewitt had used to publish it, I got to see a little of that insight of some of his views and some of his thinking. And there was one piece, he was very specific on how things needed to be, the, the playing pieces. If you look at the playing pieces, they're not just rectangles, they have a little corner cut out of them. <laughs> and that corner, they, they, they tried to say, can't we just do, it's easier just to do little rectangles. Can't we do little rectangles? And he's like, no, 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 we need this here. And it wasn't until later that people it started becoming common knowledge why that type of thing is so critical. Yes. Um, the visual related, you know, all of that tactile. memory techniques, yes. tactile, yes. All, the integration of all of it, he was doing it and was adamant that this is the way it needs to be done years before I saw it anywhere else. I love that man. He's, he was very nerdy kind of socially <laughs> awkward and just like as most geniuses are. And um, he told us the story of, and correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, because you've done more research on this. I believe he said that they had a foster child named Stevie who, who didn't know any of his math. And I think Elmer was driving a bus, if I'm not mistaken, a school bus. I don't remember that part, but oh, yeah, okay. keep going. I love this. Yeah. That he created, maybe Jack, you know more, and that he created how Stevie learned his math, which is what we want to talk about mm -hmm. for him. Do you know more about that, Jack, the background? I don't. This this is actually new to me, too. I, I don't recall that either from when we used it as uh, early parents or even in getting into it now. Yes. We, we had the same experience you did where you had a lot of people asking you for it. Because of Hewitt's relationship with it, when we came on to Hewitt, we had multiple people frequently saying, how can we get it? How can we get it? And we had a few in inventory and realized that, oh, they're willing to pay this on Amazon and we're only charging that. You know, we sold out our last few copies very fast. Yes. And then that started the journey of we've got to see if there's a way to get this republished. And mm. anyway. And you did. And you are my heroes forever and heroine because it is there's nothing like it anywhere so still i just to this day. what kristen sorry oh i was just gonna say still to this day i mean he was ahead of his time mm -hmm. and there are certain things that were published back in the 80s that like oh we've improved on it we've done new things there's a lot more that's out there but to this day i have yet to find a educational game that teaches the skills in this tactile way as well as math it does I and know. so yeah I love it so much. And um, just to let our listeners know, so how Stevie learned his math is going to teach your children, as Dorothy Moore used to say, their addition facts and their multiplication mm -hmm. facts 
almost completely without rote memory. That's what sets it apart, right? Mm -hmm. And what I also love about it is like you mentioned, Kristen, the the way the little card, so it's a card game. It's a manipulative Mm -hmm. card game and you have a game board um, and then you have little cards that are colored. So I think blue is nines, eight are green, something like that. And um, what I love to tell families is it will make your child it, it, it works on their speed and mm-hmm. their accuracy, both. both. So Elmer used to say, your child needs to close their eyes, be able to count backwards from 20 to zero. While, while tying their shoes. Tying their shoe, right. <laughs> and so developmentally, he, as, as a, you know, Dr. Moore, of course, was a developmental psychologist. So to him, like development is everything. Is your child ready for this? Mm-hmm. If they're not ready for it, they're going to hate it. But if they're ready for it, they're going to love it, right? Well, and it, it was fascinating. He developed pre-map it as well for those who weren't ready for the full one. Like he kept going. Talk about what Yes, yeah, start there. Talk about that. I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm traveling right now, which is why I'm in Baltimore, but we're visiting our grandkids across the country. And I just took pre-math it to actually two of them. And we have, you know, young kids who are preschool who I sat down and played with a domino set, but it's not your normal dominoes. It's, it's going through a whole pattern of getting them familiar with the numbers, with the relationship between numbers, you know, one more than this, two more than this, and those kind of ideas that are the foundation for adding and the rest of the math. It's That's it's wonderful. It is. And as, as Piaget explained, we always start from the concrete and move to the abstract. And this is what Elmer Brooks did before he probably even really knew why he was, <laughs> I don't know how how deep he went into this um, on an intellectual level, but instinctively he understood children and yeah. how they think and how they learn. So mm-hmm. pre-math it, as you started to say, both of you is double nine dominoes, right? Mm-hmm. And then yes. you're covering half the domino and you're saying, how much do we have here? How many dots? Now you take your hand off. Now, how many dots? So they're adding. Now cover half of it again. Now they're subtracting. So all of it working with dots, which are concrete, instead of numerals, which are abstract or symbolic or non-representational. So it's so clear how the brain works and how we want children to be successful. Dorothy used to say, give your children success experiences every day. So if you start with the concrete, your kids are going to love math because as John Saxon said, they're good at what they like and they like what they're good at. So that, that success cycle. And along with that, one of the skills that teachers across the nation are trying to get in with math is something called subitizing. Subitizing is when I hold up five fingers, you don't need to count one, two, three, four, five to know that there are five fingers. You just know without counting how many there are, it's that visual representation. And what you were talking about and explaining just now with the dominoes, that's part of that concept that's um, a critical piece of early learning. Yeah, the square Mm -hmm. four dots is four. And Mm -hmm. and your child moves to a place where they don't have to count those dots. Exactly. Oh, I've never heard that term, you're genius. 
subitizing. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen. Uh, because I know Dr. Moore would explain that to us, how eventually they see the triangle of the three dots and they mm -hmm. know it's a three. They don't have to count them. And then the dot in the middle of the square. Oh, that's five because, mm -hmm. right? So there's a fancy name. Look there at it you. is. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's also something we're looking at doing and have gotten permission to do is while um, Elmer was ahead of his time, language has changed. And so like even the language around math. And so he used certain terminologies, like it, he was trying to do three plus four plus five. And so he would say three plus four equals this. And then, so three plus four equals seven plus five. And it's like, wait, three plus four doesn't equal seven plus five. And I know as a mathematician, he was trying to show his steps, yeah. but mathematically that's not a correct equation. And it, especially with the vocab how around math, how it is today and understanding um, what equations are and what that equal sign means. And, you know, some of that language has changed. Yes. And so one of our projects, like right now we're in the pre-publication ed edition. And part of the reason we're doing that is we're just publishing it as is exactly how we're trying to get it. it out quickly. We're trying to, to get it, it out. So let's explain. So pre-math it is how, how I describe it is you could use that from infancy because it's totally concrete. And then math it is when they've really got very comfortable with pre-math it and they can do that, tie their shoe, close their eyes, count backwards from 20 or whatever you're going to um, maybe adapt that to be. And that is normally, would you guess, around third, fourth grade? That's been my experience with it. Yeah, it, it, I would say on average, yes. Um, but every kid is unique. And totally. so you totally. get some... Um, <laughs> gifted or twice exceptional students that are ready to do it you know yeah. in kindergarten and then you've got other kids who are like you know what I'm struggling with this and it, it's it's not one of those things where a high schooler would say this is a kitty thing I don't want to do this uh, you know a high schooler that's struggling with their math facts could go back and do it and challenge themselves and it wouldn't be demeaning in any way that's a great uh -huh. and, and Speed, speed became part of his concern. And as I've been working through the pre-method and wondering when is it time to move my grandkids to math it uh, without that tying your shoe option, because that's not where they're at right now. Um, I noticed how much concern he gave to, they need to be able to do these add one or add two, one more than, two more than quickly. So it's not like, okay, eight, nine, 10, it's eight, 10, you know, 13, 15. And so even that is a developmental marker that can say, are they really able to do those uh, one more than and two more than quickly? If they can't do that, they're not ready for math it. That's so, that's so good, Jack, because what I say to families is if your child is struggling with this, put it away. Mm -hmm. they're not ready for it and they'll hate it because yeah. it was designed to teach children very, very quickly with no stress, but they have to be developmentally ready. The only children I've ever met that don't like it are the children that were too young when yep. they're exposed to it. Absolutely. And here's one sense. other little trick for no extra credit. I <laughs> tell every family, pull this out every September till your children get married. Every <laughs> September, relay that foundation of speed and accuracy because a child who knows their number facts will love math and a mm -hmm. child who doesn't and that would have been me even though I have a master's degree a child who doesn't know their number facts will hate math mm -hmm. it is absolutely like hitting your head on a brick wall if you don't know nine times nine 
out of your deep sleep, if you don't know the answer to that, you're never going to go any farther and you're never going to like math. So One this of, is so key. Go ahead. I was going to say, I've had a lot of conversations. One of our other authors for a different curriculum is called Dr. Her name is Dr. Colleen Kelly, and she's a chemist. And one of her big things is getting kids and, you know, decreasing the barriers to getting into those STEM fields at the college yes. level. And yes. so there's, we talk about the fluency and for her focus, it's chemistry and the periodic table of elements. And so she's developed several games for that with, with the games to develop the fluency, but it, it's so many different curriculum, um, not curriculum, the subjects, excuse me, so many different subjects you need to learn the language of whatever the subject, whether it's math, whether it's chemistry, whether it's literature, you have to learn the language to be able to dive into it deeper and not be scared of those deeper concepts. And so if you can find fun, fun ways where it's not drill and kill, you know, till they've got headaches <laughs> or, or crying, you know, those fun ways to be able to practice the fluency so that they can speak the language, um, it will open up so many doors as they go. That, that's a concept that I, I learned from her as well, the distinction between literacy and fluency. Wow. And she talked about literacy. Okay, I know all the facts. I know all about facts, but fluency is I'm able to just do it. Without that, even that's thinking. important, thinking about yes, it. Yes. I love that distinction. Homeschooling doesn't have to be complicated to be effective, but you do need a plan. If you're looking to get a better grasp on a literature-based approach to education, you need to attend one of our upcoming 2024 seminars. My son JJ and I will teach four workshops throughout the day to help you develop your own philosophy of education, make your child a lover of books, use classical literature to teach history, and create your own creative curriculum. You'll receive newly updated book lists that are worth their weight in gold. Plus, you'll have the chance to rub shoulders with other like-minded families using this method in your area. At the end of the day, you'll leave refreshed and encouraged. Get $15 off when you register during early bird registration, which is going on right now. Visit our website, homeschoolmadesimple.net forward slash seminars. That's homeschool made simple.net forward slash seminars. Now back to the show. Now I have to give a little disclaimer about something that I've learned from smart children. Smart children will memorize the game board. Do you know that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay. So what yes. I tell my families is I want you to make four or five game boards and move, of course, the answers to different placements and your child never knows what game board you're using and they they can't make that connection because smart kids will always memorize where the answer goes. And then when you take them away from the game board, they don't know the answers. So just a little other trick I've learned with- I love know, it, That's, so, that resonates wait, so wait, much with so many should, other subjects. <laughs> I would say we should, we should start producing, since we're able to produce it and make updates, we can start producing multiple game boards and just label it game board ABC. Oh, are you a genius? And put the ABC hidden on the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or just some little small font so that the parents can see which one it yeah. is and they can rotate it or, yeah. I, I love this. I love this. So we're taking this to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you 
what this means to me. I feel like I won the lottery when when a friend <laughs> called me and said, it's back. I'm like, no, <laughs> because we were just scraping. I mean, making them at home, doing whatever we could do to get this product into people's hands. And Jack, you told me of some ways that you're simplifying the, the kit so that it's less expensive. So share about that, please. Sure. Well, our, our initial reason for this was just to get it out there. And the one thing that is the hardest to make and the hardest to uh, the cost part is the box, boxing, the packaging. That big plastic thing that was like- a Yeah, and it, it looked wonderful. It looks very professional. It was designed that way to hold a CD and the little plastic container that keeps the CD from breaking. I Originally, it was designed to hold cassettes. Cassette well, yeah, tapes. we had cassettes in ours, and we still have yeah, a couple of the cassette ones. I had a cassette, yeah. yeah. And, and we thought, well, right now, we're likely to not be using either of those. We're going to probably just do this in a digital download. I mean, we thought about thumb drives and everything, but everybody has the ability to download now. So why not make a digital download so we can put everything flat into a stiff cardboard envelope? And so we started producing it that way, saying this is a pre-publication edition. We're not sure what we're going to do for marketing, for all of that. We just want to make it available. That's really our mission as an organization is to make quality educational materials available and accessible to people who couldn't get it otherwise. So that cost point becomes a value we have. And then after feedback from you and others, it's like we may just keep it this way and keep the costs lower. I love it because I have lost my kit. I've loaned it to so many people i'd like another kit because i like to take it with me to seminars to show mm -hmm. people and if it could just be in a nice little manila envelope and i can just put it in my suitcase on the airplane because i want people to see it because it is a tactile hard mm -hmm. three-dimensional kind of you know thing i want them to see this is a game and well, i just love it go ahead i was gonna say and that's part of what we're why it's still in the pre-publication part is because we're investigating all those different pieces because we love the idea of that flat, uh, you know, Manila envelope, exactly what you were just describing. But also if you're shoving, you, we want you to be able to take it places and play it wherever, you know, take it to a coffee shop and play it, take it to your local That's library right. and play it. But- Bring it in your luggage to show your grandkids. Yeah. Like I did. <laughs> but if, if, you're, if you're taking it to multiple places, then just a simple Manila envelope gets broken down really fast. And so it we're does. still researching what is the best both cost effective, but longevity, what is the best? And I so, love this. And my yeah. families that I work with will def definitely be giving us lots of feedback. So I'll let you know too what they're saying. Like, we love this. Or because in the past, they're like, it's so expensive. I'm like, I don't care. It's so worth it. But if we can cut the costs, a lot of these families are really struggling on one income to homeschool. Mm -hmm. And if we can make it accessible to the average person, the other fun idea that Dorothy and Raymond came up with, I don't know if this was Elmer's idea or their idea, but when your child completes math it in what, what's the time on it? Is it one minute or what, what does he say? One minute. I, I, I think it is. It sounds about right. It, depending <laughs> on the level, but that's the one I'm okay. yeah, yeah. remembering. So one minute with no mistakes for weeks straight, I think is what they used to say. Um, then you, you buy them a little Lego or a little doll dress or whatever it is that they want. And you put it up on a shelf and you say, when you can do this in one minute with no mistakes for weeks straight, that is yours. We're not going to change our mind. We've already bought it. Even if the dishwasher breaks and we have to hire someone, it's already purchased. <laughs> it's yours. And then even a bigger gift when they can do 
times it, which is the multiplication mm-hmm. tables. Again, some really nice Lego or whatever it is that they've been coveting. Yep. And it's up there on the shelf. They see it. It's motivating them. But that way, you're kind of having milestone celebrations as you go through um, these foundational issues, which makes it fun. And I like to say, don't call it school. This isn't even school. We got a new game. We got a new game. And when grandma comes over, who doesn't think homeschooling is a good idea. Oh, grandma, we've got a new game. You think you can do this in one minute with no mistakes? Oh, sure I can, but she can't no. because she's using <laughs> memory. But your kids are like, okay, Joey, show her how it's done. And then they're like blackjack dealers because he tells you how to hold the cards and how to, you know, do it that fast. And then grandma's like, whoa, I am impressed. Yeah. And then you all take a bow. You know, Joey takes his bow because <laughs> it will equip you to feel really confident in dealing with numbers. And that's that's our goal. The other thing that I found with kids a lot of times is you get the kids who are beat down mm-hmm. by um, not getting it or traditional schooling or, you know, all the rest of it. And they go, I've made a mistake. I can't do it. They get to the point where mistakes are game enders. They're you know deal breakers there. And, and this, the gamification of it, the game schooling aspect of it helps them go, okay. I'm just competing against myself. I'm not. It's beat your record. Yeah. It's beat my own record. And That's so it's good. not anything else. And so it takes away some of the, the stress and the pressure and said, you know, okay, I got a mistake this, I got 10 mistakes this time. Oh wait, I did it in five mistakes this time I've improved. And so it, that, um, that whole philosophy of mistakes are part of the learning process. This helps incorporate that as well. So good. So, so good. Talk about after you graduate from um, add it, double it, and times it, the three games Mm -hmm. and how Stevie learned his math. Then how Dr. Moore taught, I mean, Elmer really taught, I should say, um, children how to add columns of figures. And before you explain that, I'm going to tell you a fun story about that. We were in, I think, San Diego at an all-day seminar. And um, Dr. Moore took one of the young ladies... Um, whose mom worked for him. And then he um, threw it out to the audience. Back then, people had just started to have calculators. And he, I don't know if he gave them a physical calculator or if it was a, it, it was before phones. So, you know, this was 40 years ago. So he had this darling young lady stand up on the platform, very poised, very, very sweet and lovely. And he had her compete with the men, with the calculators in the audience, and she beat them in a race. Yes. So talk to me. I, I, I was going to say, have you heard of the math magicians that are yeah. out, out there? So yeah. math magicians are people who know those tricks to the math and those, and, and a lot of what Elmer put even in that guidebook are some of the things, those tricks. Like the 11s but, and the, yeah, like whatever, the 11s, sure. uh, things like yeah. that. And so, I mean, just, just yesterday, I was talking with uh, the lady who is helping us relay out and do some of the different things. And we were looking through, you know, why is this in here in this way? Why is this in the guidebook in this way? I don't understand what the zero is. And it's like, well, if you add up the digits in 324, then three plus two is five plus four is nine. That means 324 is divisible by nine because you add up those digits. And those are those little tricks of the trade that I was very familiar with as a mathematician, 
but I forget how few people know those tricks. Uh, and he well, has those type of things interspersed throughout the whole guidebook. Oh, I love I, it. I learned one. I learned one just as I was working it through because I don't recall this from when we did it with our kids. But the correcting the answer and the numbers by counting up and then every time it adds up to nine, you throw it away and then you start mm -hmm. over again and you get through. And if your answer matches the the numbers you're coming up with, those two match. It's an easy way to correct. And I thought, wow, wow this is brilliant. Love but this. but you're, count, you're counting. I did that with my grandson. We have uh, three grandsons at the home I was just at before we came here. And uh, one of them was pre-math, one of them was math, and the other one was beyond all of that. But what we did is, hey, let's talk about a new way to add numbers. And as we started, the first thing I said is, okay, you're going to start at the bottom of the ones column, not the top. And it made me think, you know what? This is a good reminder that just because we've learned it one way doesn't mean that another way is wrong or it's in fact, sometimes another way is helpful for the way minds work differently. So we started counting up and adding the number. And every time it got to be a two digit number, you'd write the ones on the right and you'd put a slash through the uh, number, the column, and then you'd keep working all the way to the top and you'd count the number of slashes. That's the number you'd carry. Anyway, he says, why do you work from the bottom? I say, well, just look at this. It, it's brilliant. If you put your hand and start at the top, you can't see anything until you move your hand down. Start from the bottom, you see everything you're working on until the stuff you're done with it, then your hand covers it. I thought, uh, it's brilliant to do it that way for a, a reason that's not so math oriented, but it is sure spatial and right. visual and all the rest. And you know, yeah. I'll tell you something. When I was growing up, um, school is very different. I was a creative child. I was an art major all my life and I was a reader. And the only time of day that I would ask to go to the bathroom every day, starting in first grade was during math class. I still remember the red book. The <laughs> it was boring to tears. I could read like six books in the time that they were doing a math equation. Like I just, but what you're describing is math for creative children. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but math teachers are the most boring people in the world. They dress in a boring <laughs> manner. They speak in a boring manner. They're just, and then when you find someone who's a math, what did you call it, Kristen? A math, math, a magician. There you go. See, that's the kind of math teacher that I, as a creative child would have loved. But in <laughs> high school, guess who got the we, we, I remember having a math teacher that was in law school. He wasn't even a math person at all. He just needed a job to support himself and they were desperate probably. So you get the worst teachers in the, in the kids where they're just normal. And then the best teachers go to the calc and trig students. They're getting the cream of the crop, the PhD student, you know, um, professors and stuff. And I remember in school saying, why do they get the really good teachers in our high school? And why do we get the lame teachers that bore me to tears? So you are talking about thinking creatively with mathematics so that children who like all this stuff will be drawn to it and want to do more of it. I, say, I remember Kristen had a teacher who stood up on the desk or the table and walked around the perimeter of the table and said, that's perimeter. And she came home, she was so excited about what she's learning in math. And I thought that teacher is brilliant. Mrs. Yes. Reeves, my junior high math teacher. There yeah, you go. I still know her name. Um, but it's, it's because of teachers like that, 
that I, I was able to have. And because I had parents that helped instill that love of learning for me. But one of my biggest values is meeting kids where they're at and getting those educational resources that they need. And so it doesn't, and that reflect who they are. And, and so with math, you know, you look at um, kids that love math and you can't look at kids that hate math and it doesn't matter whether they love or hate, whether they're good or bad at math. Specifically, you got to meet them where they're at and get them those good quality educational resources. Um, I, I teach a mathematical artistry class uh, that's at my kids co-op because it's it's that same sort of thing of you want to figure out what the kid is interested in. You, you need to figure out what their needs are, whether it's emotional, social, academic, and meet them where they're at um, and find that piece. So explain mathematic artistry. You could math. really get her talking about this one. <laughs> I know, I bet. And I'm excited. Tell me. Um, I love being able to use these hands-on tactile tools to be able to introduce concepts. And so like right now, the class, we're looking at fractals and building something called the Sierpinski Triangle. And the Sierpin it, 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 so it's a, basically it's just a repetitive recipe is the simplest version of it. So you do this and then you do this again and then you do this again. And it comes out with this very intricate, really cool drawing. And you can use it to then say, okay, well, let's see here. If I draw these lines, how many triangles do I have? Okay, what fraction out of how many triangles do I have all together? And all of a sudden you got fractions in there. All of a sudden you've got percentages in there, but you're doing it in a way that's based off of art and kind of that intrigue of what's going to happen next or mandalas you get mandalas are a great way to be able to get compass work in um yes. and get angles and look at symmetry and the different types of symmetry and some of those other concepts and so like for me i honestly hated geometry in high school it was so boring that to was me. the it only was class tedious. i liked oh well, that, that that's exactly what i find that's exactly what I find is people either love algebra and hate geometry right. or love geometry and hate algebra. <laughs> and the way my brain worked, I hated geometry <laughs> until I got to my master's level. And then I got to my master's level and it was like, oh, this is, wow, there's all this concrete. It was the way it was taught. Right. Um, and, and so I've been able to take that and go, you got to meet the kid, the learner, whoever it is, where they are at and uh -huh. use the tools that they are interested in to be able to get those concepts. And so it doesn't matter whether it's a game, whether it's art, whether it's innovation, that's another program we do, the National Innovator Challenge. Like there's so many different ways you can meet kids where they are at. Yes. Uh, and that's what we need to do. So I am so grateful for you. You are truly um, opening windows for children's lives that other people have nailed shut with lifelong hatreds of mathematics. And you're saying, oh no, come in. It's a party. Like you're changing uh -huh. the whole aspect of how children feel about math. And I cannot thank you both enough. It is such a pleasure to finally get to meet you today. So thank you. Carol, Martin. thank you. You've been listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast with Carol Joy Side. We are so excited that Hewitt Learning has made pre-Mathit and Mathit available again. 
you can find the link to Hewitt Learning's website in the show notes. If you enjoy this podcast, would you leave us a rating and review wherever you listen? Your review helps other people know what to expect when finding the show, and we so appreciate your help. Thanks for joining us this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I'm Rachel Winchester. Be sure to join us next time as we help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings. Blessings.